When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Beat Podcast, Training Camp Day 2. Alex Barth, as always, here. I'm John Zanis, and that handsome fella up there in the corner is Mike Giardi from NFL Network, formerly NBC Sports Boston, formerly New England Cable News. It doesn't matter. Uh, He's here. He's here to, uh, you know, uh, drop some knowledge about some of the stuff he's seeing. Uh, We're also going to hit up Mike. He spent some time uh, covering the team's number one rival, the Buffalo Bills. We'll chat a little bit about what's going on over in Bills land as well. Um, You know, the Pat's primary competition, you would say, in the division or the team that everybody's chasing. But we'll start with day two, much like day one. Really light day, another kind of like heavy red zone day, a really similar feel to the two days. But uh, this was like a revenge of the defense sort of day, uh, particularly late. So, you know, the question's going to be, and again, you can only, you, you can't make too much out of what you're seeing here. That's a caveat with everything that we're going to talk about here. But when you're watching the offense struggle like they did in the defense, and we're talking 10 straight incompletions until they finally got one on a pick play that may or may not have been pass interference uh, there to get Henry into the end zone. Only one for 11 in those competitive drills at the end. So the defense really had their day. Mikey, start with that. And then I'm kind of curious your other thoughts so far in the first two days of camp. Yeah, a couple times it appeared like, you know, there were sort of the covered sacks. I think a couple times, too, and it's, you know, they'll never say to us, but it looked like a couple of them were sort of designed scrambles as if, hey, you're just you're not allowed to throw it yet. Now, rotate, move. Um, But look, we always say this almost every year that the defense is ahead of the offense. And yesterday we didn't get that feel. In fact, we had some people telling us, well, look, man, seven on sevens, especially are tilted towards the offense. You know, it would be something if they didn't have success against us. Well, today at that last period there, you saw some issues with some separation, some spacing issues, um, which are all things that I think can be ironed out. You know, obviously nothing to panic about or anything like that. It's just, you know, it was interesting because I think for me, particularly when I look at the Patriots corners, I say, okay, Jalen's a solid player, but he's not a star by any means. And you're trying Terrence Mitchell opposite him. You played Marcus Jones in the slot today because John Jones obviously is still on the pup. So there are certain things that are going on there that you say, oh, the offense should be able to take advantage of that. And and they, for whatever reason, were not able to today. Right. And so, Alex, piggyback on that. Isn't that, I'm not going to say concerning, you're concerning, you're not sounding alarm bells here, but if cornerback position is clearly an area of concern entering training camp, you would feel you'd feel better about the receivers if they're consistently beating these cornerbacks because you're not really sure that they can remain competitive. But to see the court, to see those separation issues uh, again, even early here with no real pads and no contact, you're not even worried about jamming people or getting physical with them there. And they weren't able to separate at all there. That was definitely eyebrow raising. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give some credit to the defense. I thought Jalen Mills played really well in that period, specifically he had a pass breakup on Nelson Aguilar that, you know, he had to kind of come back over the shoulder and look, there's no refs to throw flags, but from where I was standing, I had a pretty good view of it. I thought it seemed clean to me. So credit to him on that. But yeah, when you see, you know, there was another completion I thought on a play that, that 
really looked like kind of a, a gimme play, right? Every team has those couple of plays or even just routes that they know they can hit when they got to have something. It was Kendrick Bourne along the back end line and Marcus Jones was right there with him. And he didn't break the pass up, but it was the kind of coverage where Mac really didn't have a window. He kind of tried to put it up and thought maybe Bourne could go all the way up and get it in toe tap. And it was just a little, it was too out of his reach. It was a difficult throw. Um, so look, is, is Marcus Jones, maybe a star rookie that's possible, but Kendrick Bourne isn't necessarily the kind of assignment you're expecting Marcus Jones to cover. He's a guy that's maybe a step or two behind after being in a red non-contact jersey all spring. So that that one, you know, battle between those two kind of stood out to me is, you know, does it mean maybe Bourne could have done something more to pull away or is Marcus Jones maybe ahead of where we think he is? It's yeah. also in that instance, too, we're dealing with less space, right? You, you, right. The, less yards to work right. with. So to me, like I, I always get concerned when there is massive space down there 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 shouldn't be unless you've you've picked somebody off clean or somebody falls down that um generally there the windows are going to be tight down there so um yeah i mean again it's two days they're not in full pads yet we'll see but it was it was certainly to see them sort of control it like that after the way they got controlled yesterday was uh eye-opening from for a number of reasons and maybe something if you're if you're the glass half full guy, you look positive and say, all right, the defense, you know, coming together. Not after, so bad. After, after right. Play. Yeah, exactly. Right. Hey, yeah. hey, everything's great. Well, you know, and again, well, I, you can look at it that way, though, because I, I think Jalen Mills, uh, even even when he's given up catches, they're they're really contested. Um, he's been he's been there not only making plays, but he's been there even when there are, I believe Parker's highlight catch, right. Was with yep. Mills yeah, and coverage, but he's tight, tight, tight on him. And Parker makes a really nice back shoulder catch and toe taps it there in the corner. That's tight coverage. And if you're seeing that kind of stuff from Mills, that definitely is a positive Bledsoe, a guy we'll talk about later uh, today was a tight end eraser, you know, uh, and, 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 and really did a good job there uh, in coverage. So, any positives you get out of this group, particularly from places you're not necessarily expecting it, like a guy like Bledsoe to start, is definitely good. And you said it; like, the, it's hard to get separation a little bit in the end zone there as well. Uh, you know, but still happy with what you've seen from Parker over the two day period uh, as a, as a guy who definitely stands out uh, in these kind of red zone exercises that they're going through. Yeah, I mean, he's just a bit, right. He's a bigger body. Something they didn't really well. I shouldn't say they didn't have a bigger body last year. They did. He also wore number one. He just wasn't an NFL receiver. By the way, I don't know if you happen to see some of the Chicago Bears uh, yep. beat writers tweeting today. Ball off yep. of Nikhil's hands, picked off. Well, did you uh, see the video? I haven't seen the video, no. There, there is video of it. It's uh, there could It could have been a better throw. It, it, okay. it wasn't a great all play right. by Nikhil, but it could have been a better throw. I know, so but we all we all did the same right. thing. Right. Right. Yeah, right. no, exactly. You're, uh, you're the Nikhil fact that they had to put out video kind of proves the point. <laughs> yeah they're they're doing they're doing what we did like it wasn't necessarily entirely on Nikhil the throw right. could have been a little better that's just roll just rerun the tape how many times did we say stuff like that over the course of his career here it, could, it was a little behind him you know, make make the catch dude yeah. um anyway their problem not our problem but yeah Parker's definitely a revelation Alex and I talked about it a lot yesterday Mike like Parker what you want from him is to be everything you we're hoping Nikhil could be big body box out boundary receiver, you know, those back shoulder type of throws when they tried him with Nikhil, it didn't really work. A guy who can definitely get off the line a little bit better, um, you know, use that body, you know, high point some balls, which he, which he's done over those couple of days. That's what you're looking for. And if he does that, even at a, you know, average above average level, it's a huge, huge upgrade. 
Yeah, I mean, look, when they made the trade, like, you know, I wasn't one of those people like, oh, my goodness, you know, like, this is a change, a game changer for them. But when he's at his best, um, he would be their best receiver. And I don't think anyone can argue that just based on what he did in Miami over the course of his time there. Of course, the big question is, can he stay on the field for a full season? That's not something he's been able to do all but one of his seven seasons, right? So, um that's an important thing with him, but you definitely like that size. And you can see at least early, there is a little bit of chemistry between him and Mac and sort of figuring each other out. And to your point, the back shoulder stuff, that's important. It just gives them another element that clearly they didn't have last year. Um, and, you know, like, look, if you're going to have him as a primary boundary guy, that's going to reduce, I would believe, Aguilar's snaps. And you didn't get a ton out of him last year either. So, I mean, there are a lot of positives to be gained there if he can be anything close to the player that, that he is when he's on the field for Miami. Yeah. And I think he's somebody that, you know, in terms of the fit, right. He's obviously a really good receiver, but what he can do for Mac Jones, and we're starting to see it when you have a quarterback as accurate as Jones is, you give him a receiver with the kind of catch radius that Devonte Parker has. And, you know, we talked about separation before, right? I think everybody thinks of, they hear the word separation. They think of wide, a wide receiver running 10 yard pass, 10 yards past the corner. There's other forms of separation. If if you're if your wide receiver is six four and can go all the way out of his wingspan to get the ball and the corner's five ten, there's some natural separation there. You just have to be able to place the ball to take advantage of it. And that that's what happened on that catch today. It was a back shoulder, it was low, it was about knee high. And like you said, Jalen Mills was right on him and Mac knew where to put the ball. It highlights the chemistry, and Parker was able to go down and get it. I mean, he had to reach a long way, but this is why they gave up a third round pick to get him. He's a guy that can give you those sort of opportunities uh, offensively. That's what they were hoping Nikhil would be. That That's an element they really haven't had in their offense since Rob Gronkowski left. I mean, that's something Rob Gronkowski is really good at. So I'm not saying Devontae Parker is going to be Rob Gronkowski, of course, but I think they have been searching for that. Mac is the kind of quarterback who could benefit tremendously from having that sort of skill set in the offense. And early on, that's been what stood out the most to me about Parker is that's what he does. He goes away from his body out muscles the defensive back and goes and gets the football. I would say one thing too, piggybacking off that when you, you mentioned like, that's why you go out and get someone. They also went out and got him because the cost wasn't extensive. And I'm not just talking well, about yeah. in terms of draft pick compensation, but what he's owed two years, $11 million. If he becomes the guy that's on the field, 15, 16 games and gets you 65, 70 catches, then that's a massive bargain uh, by NFL standards, especially as you've seen, with the way the wide receiver salaries have gone crazy. And then, you know, again, now you have in your system for a full year and then you can decide, Hey, this is a relationship we want to continue. Let's take a couple of years onto this thing, give you a little bit more money, spread out the cap hit, all that kind of stuff. But just another part of the, the way they do business down there in Foxborough, there's value uh, in the player's contract. And I think that made it more palatable to make that acquisition. Where do I draft him? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, <laughs> It's the, it's the risk factor, right, of of the injuries with him and the soft tissue stuff that, look, usually these guys, either they figure it out, you know, like, and look, it's a different position, but Willie McGinnis had all those issues with the hip and the hamstring and the groin, and, well, he found TB12 before it was TB12, and he, he got rid of those issues. Some guys, they find, hey, like, the way I'm training doesn't work, or I need to spend more time on this, and with Devontae, there's it's not always been the same thing, but there has been a lot of that stuff. So, you know, um, I don't know if that means it's just that's the way his body's built and he can't change some of this stuff or, you know, that he's just I'm going to train this way. And 
you know, if, if the hamstring goes, the quad goes, that's just the way it is. Well, I, I, I think I heard you say it. my internet glitched a little bit there. So I apologize if I'm doubling up, but you know, you look at Hunter Henry last year, right? We had a lot of similar conversations about Hunter Henry and, and he hadn't played a full season and he comes here and he played all 17 games. And after the season, he talked about how the Patriots training staff had somewhat of a different plan for him than they had for him with the chargers. And he thought that that was really beneficial. So maybe it could be some of the same, you know, the chargers medical staff is sort of known for having some, uh, you know, not being great to put it bluntly. Uh, I don't know. I don't think anyone. Exactly. (laughs) I I don't think Miami has that same reputation or maybe that same lack within their training staff, but the Patriots, we've heard other players say things are done differently with the training staff in new England and it's benefited them. So whenever they pick up one of these guys, like you said, where it's soft tissue things or, or things that are, it really just feels like load management driven issues. I kind of, I, I don't want to say I totally ignore them, but I look at it as a thing that that's a problem the Patriots traditionally have been good at solving. So I, it, it just adds to kind of the value of picking up the player where teams may devalue him because of his injury history. But if you think that you can manage that better than it's been managed in the past, it becomes less of a negative. Yeah. Can't can't no. I mean, it, it's just it, like it, an overly positive take, and Xanis is floored. He doesn't know what to do with it. It's an it's an overly. Do you being positive, Alex, <laughs> on the Patriots front? No, it's uh, it's it, it. And again, it is what it is. You, you'll see what it is. You always feel like it's a ticking time bomb with guys right. who do suffer these soft tissue ones because everything's going perfectly, and boom, there it is, and then it lingers and it lingers and it lingers and it can submarine a whole season. But it's training camp. It's all sunshine and puppy dogs right now. Parker looks good. That's really all that matters. Mm-hmm. We'll worry about, you know, health, staying on the field, longevity, and all of that. Uh, Mikey, two days right now. Anything else that pops out to you uh, that you've noticed that you think is interesting uh, as far as uh, as far as the team is concerned? I, I will say that, I, I, and look, we saw it in OTAs um, when Isaiah Wynn showed up, that he was the right tackle and Trent Brown was the left. But I Part of me wondered if that was just, uh, you know, a little bit of tweaking Isaiah for not being there. And also just, you know, again, sort of, hey, let's let's roll Trent out there. Let's see how his feet are moving at this point. Uh, and if that's something, you know, if Isaiah plays like he did last year, we can't tolerate that. We can kick Trent back over to left tackle and feel comfortable with it. Um, so for him to start here again, I guess just a little bit of me was like, OK, so this is this appears to be the plan. And, you know, I asked Trent yesterday if he had if he had been told that before he resigned, you know, re-upped and he's like, now nah, was, you know, and I was like, or was it more of like, we'll figure it out when we get there. And he's like, no more of that. We'll figure it out when we get there. So uh, I think he wasn't, I don't think he believed he was coming back to be the left tackle necessarily, but here we are, you know, a couple of days in the camp, but based off of the, the tail end of OTAs, it looks like this is the direction they're going to head in with, with Trent as the left side guy. Are you certain Wednesdays stays on the right? Cause again, this is a guy who, uh, I mean, you're not going to say full on bust. He's made it through the duration of his rookie contract, but he's not the guy they hoped he'd be when they drafted him in the first round as kind of an anchor left tackle. Uh, and, you know, now he's kicked over to the right side. You might be able to save a buck or two if you're looking to clear some space. Uh, and if you think there's a negligible difference between someone like him and Haran or, uh, you know, I guess could would be another candidate there. And Alex and I kicked this around yesterday uh, is win on thin ice. I guess that's one of those things that wouldn't surprise me. And I certainly, I felt like, and he didn't, he didn't come out and officially say it. And I don't think he leaked it to anybody, but just his overall tone when we talked to him in June was that he wasn't all that psyched about being a right tackle after being the left tackle since the day he walked in the door here. Um, 
And I don't know if he's, you know, again, we haven't talked to him yet so far here just two days into training camp, if his attitude has changed at all over the last six or seven weeks, or maybe we just caught him on a bad day. I mean, those things are possible too, but yeah, that, I guess that wouldn't, you always with them, you always start to look at pieces like Isaiah, or as we, I think we talked about in the spring about Damian Harris, just because you draft two running backs and Ramondre has got a lot of momentum and was really good for you last year when he figured out like the conditioning part of it and, and ball security that, like, oh, this guy can be the real deal. Um, so you look at someone like Damien in the last year of his contract, and you say, well, if somebody has an injury here this summer and they call you on August 20th and say, hey, we'll give you, you, you know, you, you drafted him in the third round, we'll give you a third round for someone who you're probably not going to re-up next year because you don't want to pay that second contract for a running back, would they do it? I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be surprised if one of the other guys, one of the young kids shows that they got a little something there. Um, and I, I guess the same holds true for Win. If they look at Haran and say, hey, he's 93% of Isaiah and we're paying him a million bucks. That's exactly him, right. Yeah. yeah, then we can we can figure this out. We can, we'll be fine. You know, those are the things that they, I think in the past, they've always done. They've always, or looked to do. So yeah, that wouldn't totally shock me. All right, real quick, we want to take a pause and tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with the first to market odds and lines. And of course, the Patriots Beat Podcast and the entire CLNS Media Network is powered by Bet Online. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. They have it all. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our code CLNS50 to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again, the code is CLNS50. Receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. In terms of other observations, people in the chat are already asking uh, the defense played well one of the guys we talked about was uh joshua bledsoe uh coming in here uh three uh you know i, I kind of three incompletions that he forced one to john one to asiasi ripped the ball out from uh keen uh there as well uh i thought he was pretty solid any other defensive standouts today guys because people are asking the defense dominated what did you like go well, ahead i'll just Alex. say yeah, not necessarily in terms of what he did, just because by the nature of the linebacker position, no pads, it's tough to say, oh, he right. made all these plays. But Raquan McMillan seems heavily involved with what they're going to do defensively and got off to that great start last year in camp before tearing his ACL. He's, he seems to be kind of right back in the picture, picking up where he left off. Bill raved about him yesterday, called him a, a, a signal caller, which is big. If he's a green dot candidate, that could mean he's going to be – on the field quite a bit, called him a multi-positional player. Maybe they plan on playing him on the edge a little bit. So uh, not a standout in the sense that he made a bunch of plays, but a guy that just when you put all the puzzle pieces together for what we've seen so far, seems like he's trending in the right direction. Yeah, not easy for the guys in the front seven when there's no pads on to make that right. kind of sort of impact splash play type things. You know, every once in a while, you'll see them get a hand on a ball or something like that and say, okay, that's nice. You know, but by and large, you're right. It's It's more about, his usage, I guess, early on and sort of the, 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 the compliments that Belichick has heaped on. I would go back to Bledsoe and just say this, you know, if he wasn't sort of damaged goods coming into the draft, he was probably a early day three guy. Um, and maybe we'd look at him differently or fans might look at him differently and say, well, it's a six rounder versus a fourth rounder. Um, but 
you look at that position and while they've invested heavily in the sort of box safety types, Devin is 34. He'll be 35 in a couple weeks. If somehow, some way, um, they found a diamond in the rough in Bledsoe and he comes back to be the player that maybe some people thought he was before all the injury stuff, then that would be a massive piece for them going forward because, I mean, clearly that's a position that you have to circle um, for for the long term and say, like, what's what's the answer there? Uh, I think, you know, and again, it's early, but sometimes I still watch Kyle in space and coverage and I'm, I just – to me continues to reek of he's a box safety and he can be, he can be a damn good one. I thought last year he started to play better in coverage when they played more zone. Uh, And I, but I still think in their heart of hearts and they might have to be different this year because of personnel, but I think in their heart of hearts, they'd still rather be a man football team or be able to trust that their guys can do that. So I don't know if that's something they want to commit to long-term. I think Adrian has also proven that yes, he can play a little bit out there in space, but I think again, more of a box safety. And, you know, for all the, well, all the excitement for the some of some of the excitement about Jabril Peppers, he's never really proven to be anything more than just a guy in this league and someone who's, you know, obviously a valuable piece on special teams. But I don't know that I look at Jabril Peppers and say, oh, that's that's the guy that will release McCourty down the line. I mean, anything could happen. Obviously, this year we'll get a close look at him. But, you know, by and large, I think if Bledsoe can develop, then that would be a great thing for the team to not have to really look at that position and say, we got to draft somebody pretty high to fill Devin's role. Um, wanted to move on to Mac. Um, Cause you know, somewhat lost in these first couple of days. Cause we were so much focused on, you know, the receivers and how they're doing is just how's Mac doing. And again, there's so much obsession. It's so funny. Cause last year, year one, when it was a battle, you know, you're tracking every single completion, incompletion, how's he look and obsessing over it. But it feels like everyone's like, no, he's fine. He's going to be perfectly fine uh, with no concern at all. Now, again, uh, get the caveat, it's there's no pads, blah, 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 blah. I don't see him missing too many open guys. I don't see him missing throws. He Again, everything that happened, I felt late when the offense couldn't get anything going. There really wasn't anybody to throw to. I think he held the ball as long as he could and, you know, threw it high in the back of the end zone where it can't be picked off or whatever. But those are the plays you want to see them make. And in fact, you don't mind them taking some risks in training camp because you want to see what you can and can't get away from. Your boy Jimmy G uh, used to do that a ton and he'd get three and four picks. And it's like, I'm just messing. I want to see what I can do. It's training (laughs) camp. I'm trying to fit some in there, you know, and that was the vibe. It's like, that's, I wouldn't make that throw in a game. So uh, Mike, I'll ask you, on on a on a on a man crush level from zero to Jimmy G, where are you on Mac Jones right now? Yeah, I'm probably uh, eight point two five. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really like. Look, I, I thought last year and I was consistent with this. I thought he was pretty good last year. Yeah, there were some there were obvious, some obvious highs and there were a few lows. And he faded thought, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but I thought there was good consistency there. I thought you know the back half of the year they really struggled and he struggled against pressure. But some of that to me was just about their inability to beat pressure. And I'm talking about the guys on the outside. I'm talking about someone like Janu, who, you know, I think they, they thought they could scheme him up and get single coverage. And, you know, obviously Belichick raves about him run after catch and make some plays like that. And he just, you know, for, for a bunch of different reasons last year, didn't go well for him. So I thought some of that obviously has to fall on the quarterback, but I thought, if I had to place the blame game, I put more on the guys on the outside and their inability to separate. So, um, you know, it was a pretty good year. And I, I just felt like 
and talking to people this off season, the way, you know, I've talked about, it, I think, you know, it's sort of like the thing like, ah, he owned the off season. Well, that's something the jets would say. That's something that the dolphins would say, but I just meant from a, he owned the off season from the way he just sort of took control of everything. And I think you heard some of that from Belichick on day one, you know, raving about him. I think you're hearing that from his teammates that it's his team or it's eventually going to be his, his team. Well, quite frankly, it is his team. And I think he proved that this summer was sort of his commitment to it and not just going and, and throwing to Parker and Kendrick, but throwing to Montgomery and Wilkerson and little John, you know, whatever his name, little John Humphrey. I can't even, you know, I have his name in my brain yet, but like he didn't have to go do that. He didn't have to go meet with those guys. All three of those guys might not make the team, you know, certainly probably two of the three don't make the team. So the fact that he's willing to do that uh, just, just reeks of this guy. Who's just like, no, 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 no. This is my offense. These are my guys. This is my team. And I know, yeah, there are, there are 21 other guys out there, offense and defense. We got special, but like this team is gonna, if they're going to elevate, it's going to be in part because of me. And I think he's, I think he's ready for that. It goes back to something I said coming into camp that, you know, people would always say, well, what are you watching for Mac? What do you want to see for Mac in year two? And I, I always say confidence and not that I think he wasn't confident last year, but you remember this is his first camp as a starting quarterback in the NFL, right? It's his first off season. This time last year he was complete competing with Cam Newton. So he feels like in, in terms of relationship with the receivers, Mike, like you were talking about, he feels like he's been here for three, four five years in, in some ways. And even on the field too, that confidence we've seen it. And again, it's early, but he's testing some windows. He may not have tested last year. He's making some throws. He may not have made last year. And look, last year he's competing for a job. He's, he's under a microscope, all of that. You know, he, the results really matter. I, and not that the results don't matter this year, but they matter in a different way. I think this year it's less about him proving himself where versus just growing with the offense, growing with these receivers, getting ready for the season. He has an opportunity to do that. So I think he's doing more of that this year. It's less competing and more growing. And it's going to, I think it's going to have tremendous results for him once we actually get into competitive football. Yeah. I just had a couple things on top of that. So I think in this, in these two days, I've seen him make one throw that I like, would was like, yeah, I don't know that I'd make that throw, but to your point, was that just, can I, can I squeeze this ball over the middle right. in between two defenders? You know, it ended up incomplete, you know, 20 yards past everybody when the, when the ball got through, it was a dangerous throw, but like, okay, fine. You know, you can take that, that sort of risk there in the situation. You're not hurting anybody. And the second thing I want to say, and I, I kind of push back against this narrative that, oh, is Mac. And this is, this was before the draft, even last year. Well, is he almost maximized as a prospect? Because physically, there's only so many things he can do. And I, I really kind of hate that concept. Has how many 22, 23, 24-year-old guys have maxed out? Um, he can do things, and I think we've already seen to a certain degree the way he's approached his body this offseason. He's changed his body. I think he'll continue to change his body going forward. I think we'll see about the arm strength, but it feels like there is a little bit more zip on the football this year. I think he clearly recognize that after last season like hey a couple of these things that I could do at Alabama that you know that the way it, the ball got in there was fine but at this level if I throw that ball and it has a little bit of a, too much of a lollipop on it it's getting picked off or it's getting knocked away well yeah okay I need to get stronger and I think he went about trying to do that this offseason and what does that mean does that mean his arm is 
two percent stronger, five percent. I don't know. Again, some we'll have to we'll have to see as we go along. But the notion that he can't continue to grow—he's a young dude. Like I think it's nuts. And I, I I mentioned this on another podcast I was on, but I think it bears repeating. And people will get mad because I'm going to say Tom Brady's name. But go back and look at Brady's picture when he had yeah. the dad bod as a 22 year old. Right. Go talk to people about his rookie season and how he threw and how his body handled everything. Mind you, he wasn't even playing his rookie season versus what he looked like in year two. And then obviously we've seen the transformation over the course of time. Like, so he could transform his body. Yeah. Why can't Mac transform his? Again, we've already seen, if you put the picture up from last year and the picture up from this year, that's a different looking dude. He's leaner. He looks a little wider in the shoulders. He looks a little stronger to me. So, and, and clearly it's something he's talked about as well. So I just think that's nonsense. Yeah. He's never going to run a four, four. Um, but I'm fine with that. I still he ran a four, good. eight, by the way, which is not yes. terrible, you know, yeah, like, I, mean, oh. and I, I talked to people in the off season from around the league and it's like, you know, he's more athletic than you guys give him credit for. Yeah. And I think just go back to the Buffalo playoff game. He made a couple plays with his feet in that game that, you know, if you're writing the narrative from the start of the year, oh, he would have never been able, he would have taken the sack. He would have tripped over his own feet and fell down. No, he, he looked pretty fluid. I mean, he's a former tennis player. The dude's got some athleticism. In him he's an athlete. We, he's we an just athlete. Given him credit for. Yeah. And again, it's not just right. He dedicated time to his body, which makes a big difference. Also, he's just going to get man strong. You know, that's yep. just going to happen uh, on its own. You look at Brady, the RPMs on his on his ball, you know, as, as his career went on, uh, you know, he he was able to drill the ball into tight windows where before he was just kind of more of a, you know, and so, yeah, last year, you know, Mac looked a little bit, he had a little Chad Pennington in him with just some of these balloon throws. And, the you know, the amount of time it took him to get rid of the ball got worse as the season went on. You wonder how much of that is in his head thinking, I'm not going to make that throw, so I'm going to hold it. You know, I don't have that. I can't zip that one in there. And so it's just confidence. It allows you to take more chances, try to push the ball downfield. If you're really worried that it's not going to get there, you're going to end up being more conservative. You're going to, you're going to take some sacks. You're going to make some bad plays. So that's huge for him. He has to feel good about his body. Uh, and you can see it a little bit. You can see a little bit, you know, more on the ball, I think already this year. Yeah. And there's a little swagger there too, which yeah, I think again, got it. Is, a, is a, is a really good thing for a quarterback. I want my quarterback to have a little bit of that. And I think he does. And look, again, I'm not, I don't want this to get aggregated and someone's going to put words in my mouth or trying to twist it. Like, no, he's not, he's not Josh Allen. There aren't too many Josh Allen's six, five, two forty, with that athleticism who can throw the ball out of the stadium. No, there aren't too many guys with Pat Mahomes, arm who can roll this way and throw the ball back that way. But to say that he can't be a top 10 quarterback because he doesn't have some of those natural things, I think is silly. Yeah. Uh, moving off Mac, I want to cover a couple things, Mike, I know you wanted to talk about as well, but people are super interested in the play calling situations. Again, it seemed primarily Patricia today, though you did see hints of uh, Bill Belichick getting involved and he was uh, calling plays during those team drills there at the 11 11s. Alex, I know you were talking about it because I was right next to you at camp, whether Joe judge was stepping in and calling some plays as well uh, at a time, but it still looks like he's primarily a position coach. I don't think they're necessarily competing for the OC job here it really looks like it's Patricia and Judge is mainly involved on the positional stuff it is interesting again how focused Belichick is on, on offense and I can't remember which defensive player said it today but Butler. one of them 
Butler. Yeah, oh yeah, there, Malcolm yeah. Butler talks yeah. it in. He's like, Belichick, man, where'd he go? Like, this was my guy. He's our defense guy. He used to tell us everything. Like, yeah. and he's always he's all offense now. Where's the love? You know, he felt like you know he was is it like a jilted lover. He's like, Bill doesn't like us anymore. Uh, is this just in the early days? You think right now that he's focusing heavy on, you know, okay, I don't have an OC, so I want to make sure shit goes right. And it's a new situation for everybody. So in the early going, I'm going to be there, but then I'm just going to kind of let you guys, you know, you know, spread your wings and fly. And he's going to kind of go back to more of his normal role. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see. And I, when I kind of think about this question, right, I go back to what Bill said at the beginning of the week, that this is still an extension of the spring. It's still a teaching camp and the competitive stuff doesn't begin until Monday. They they have some pretty good teachers on the defensive side of the ball in, in Gerard Mayo, right? Steve Belichick, Demarcus Covington. He may feel more comfortable with those guys on that side doing the teaching stuff. Once they get into the competition, once they get into the game planning of it, and this, this is beyond Monday into, you know, even into the regular season, you know, the teaching side of coaching, he may be with the offense. When it comes to the game planning, when it comes to the situational stuff, the scheming, where where is he then? Does he then go back to the defense where, you know, he he's made his bread and butter? Or is he still with the offense at that point? So that's what I want to see. I understand why he would want to teach, you know, you know, teach coach the offense at this stage in camp. If it's like two weeks from now and he still really isn't with the defense, I think it becomes a much different conversation. Yeah, and and the the the, the problem for us is is once the camp is closed, we go back to that five minutes of availability during right. the season or whatever, and you see stretch and maybe in a positional drill, so you 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 don't really know how involved he is with your own eyes. And you, you obviously can talk to players, but you know, there's some messaging that goes on there. They, they know what to say and what not to say. Uh, we've already run into some of that here as you go through the course of OTAs with the streamlining of the offense, but no one is really willing to sort of tell you how far that's gone. What, what do you mean by that? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that would be something that, that would catch my eye a little bit, but again, to your point, Alex, knowing, you have someone like Mayo and for whatever you think about Stephen Belichick as sort of the, the defensive coordinator, the de facto defensive coordinator, right. there is respect for him from players for his knowledge of the game and the way he teaches the game. So yeah, there, there are people there that he knows and trusts um, pretty implicitly. I know he jumped in last year at various points, but like generally I think there's a good feel for, for that, that side of the ball defensively, but yeah, you got to watch over the, I'm turning over my quarterback to Joe Judge, and I'm turning over the offense by and large to Matt Patricia. Um, how does it go? I want to be there and watch it. I want to see how they communicate. I want to see what what players are saying. You know, what's how are the interactions going? Because he's got to kind of keep an eye on that to whether it's working or not. And hey, reinforce, keep doing that. That's working. Or you know what? That thing that you were doing there. I, let's not go there again. But it's it's on him if it doesn't work because he's the one who stubbornly. Didn't go get well, and a, I, I think you know, he's, an I think he embraced it though, right? I think part of it is Bill being like, fine, you know, like we've done this before. Uh, and I know it was different. We did it with Bill O'Brien, we did it with Josh, or we did it with Flores. Like, but those no, guys I hear you. It's just that, Patricia being who he is. Side of the ball. Yeah. So it, it, it's certainly different. And he's just like, fine. Hi, who are you? Guys, yeah. You hey, what's your, what's your name? Matt Patricia. What do you do? Defensive coach. Great. You're running the offense. I'll see you later, you know? What? <laughs> yeah, I okay. have been trying to find. I I don't know even how to search this. If if any coach has ever been on separate occasions an offensive and an defensive and coordinator in his career, yeah. there's you been know, like head coaches that have called both. Was Raheem Morris? 
right? Now, I don't know that Raheem was the play caller, though. He switched in Atlanta from offense to de- uh, defense to offense at one point and then went back to defense with the Rams. So, like, I don't know that he was ever a play caller, but that was like in recent memory, that's the only one I can think of. They sort of they shifted in midstream. They were like, you know, you know what? We're going to bring you over here. We need your ideas over here. So, um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he called the plays. So I guess the comparison stops there. Right. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, you're right. That, but that kind of proves the point, right? That's close as you can get. In theory, if they were to at some point down the road give Patricia the title, he might be the first. And I just looked at it more. He was the passing game coordinator. He was never the offensive coordinator. Um, In addition, and he's now a DC and all that. Like Patricia, in theory, if they ever gave him the title, might be. And again, I can't. I'm I'm not going to go through every single coach that's ever coached in the NFL, but it's it's really tough to find somebody who has held both the OC and DC titles separately over the course of their career. Um. One camp. One thing I wanted to talk about, and Mike, you mentioned among the things that you uh, you you wanted to hit on uh, on this show. It's not quite a camp battle, um, but it is it it is it is if you play fantasy football. Other, because, but that's be that's about it. Uh, there's not going to be a, a a bell cow running back and then everybody else. There's going to be a timeshare split. The question is how split is it going to be? And for my money. I'm, I think it's going to be Ramondre Stevenson 60 plus percent of the time. And Damian Harris is going to be the relief guy. And then you're going to mix in other people, whether it's Ty Montgomery or whomever in other sort of roles. That's how I see it. It looks pretty split to start camp right now that they're both getting equal share, equal opportunity. Uh, but Mike, what are your impressions? I know you mentioned when we talked about, what do you want to talk about here? You just said Ramondre. Um, is, is this kind of your feeling too on, on how he's going to be used this year? Well, I think it was interesting two things from him today about how much time he spent working on being a better receiver. Yeah. I think it was part of his focus late last year. I think he he clearly like, this is something I got to work at. And he spent more time working on that in the off season. I think he looks pretty natural again in shorts and t-shirts, but he's looked pretty natural over the course of the spring. And now we're here into the summer. And the other thing I would say is down to 225. So he's down about seven pounds from last year. He looks quick and spry again. But he still feels like he has the power. And obviously right. that's something that, you know, all of our eyes went, oh, my goodness, this guy, you know, he has that that sort of desire to just rip souls apart, you know, lower the shoulder, run through you, sometimes just seeking out that contact versus running away from it. Um, so I'm curious to see that part. But he, he said he, he said he still feels strong, like he's just sort of redistributed the weight a little bit better. Um, the, the thing to me here is that James White is a big question mark. I know they gave him a contract. You look at it, there's not a lot of guaranteed money involved. Um, we didn't see him in the spring uh, do anything of value. And here we are again a few months later, and he's still on pop. You know, I know our, our boy Mike Reese went to an event, and he's like, he's still walking kind of funny. It wouldn't be shocking if he was a camp retiree, would, would it? No. Uh, it's kind of where I'm going, and I don't – look, I don't have any insight on right. this one. Um I've been letting it breathe a little bit with James because I know how important the game is to him. I don't want to be down his throat. Like what's happening? What's going on now? But you, you do wonder um, it was a serious injury. The respect between the organization and James is such that, Hey James, do your thing, take your time. If you can come back and you can make it back, that's wonderful. You know, we're more than happy to have you back. But if you take this time and it still doesn't get better, you know, then we can discuss other options, but he is a Patriot, you know, through and through. I think Bill feels 
you know, very strongly about him. So I don't think there'd be any pushing there of James White in any direction other than the direction he wants to go. Um, but I think in saying that, there's a huge void. And we saw what James was able to do just with the, you know, the brief time that he and Mac were together and to not have that sort of safety valve. Bolton did a, a solid job, you know, trying to fill those shoes. But I wonder, just based on the work he's put in and the way he's looked so far, if Ramondre doesn't get a piece of that role, and then maybe your number of he's the 60 to 40, maybe that number is more split down the middle just because they realize, hey, in passing situations, sure, more often than not, it's going to be Ramondre. I mean, you know, they did draft two backs, but despite some weird uh, buzz about Strong, like we haven't seen him do anything. Um, so I don't, I don't know that you can project those guys anyway. And I would also say, for a young player, a rookie to assume the passing back role, I don't think that's ever happened here. I think you go back to when Bill first got here and you go through the guys, you go through Falk, you go through Woodhead, you go through Vereen, all those, then James, all those guys had to wait. Or in Woodhead's case, you know, he was with another organization before he came here, before they came the guy. So I don't, you know, I don't know that Bill's ever been sort of like, I'm going to take this rookie and I'm going to put him in the third down spot on a regular basis because I got to trust him not only to catch the football, but then when we keep him in, he's got to be able to read and pick up the blitz. Like that's a big role. They'll tell you that, you know, a million times down there. That's actually the more important thing first. Show me that you can pick up the blitz before we worry about whether or not you can catch. I think maybe now they've already seen some of Ramondre and say, okay, we feel comfortable with that player in this role. Um, and now let's just see how it develops. Yeah, and the, the pass blocking thing is, I think, what gets forgotten when you have this conversation. And there were people last year coming out of the Senior Bowl, I remember saying Ramondre Stevenson looked like a left tackle lining up in the backfield. But if James White can't go, and, and you mentioned you know, the report from Mike Reese and, and all of that, and it does seem like, like he's a question mark at this point, it is such an important role, and the Patriots are going to have to break some trend, it feels like, to fill it. One of their trends, you know, if it's Ty Montgomery, who they have listed as a wide receiver. Now, I always say that the two letters next to the player's name on the roster don't mean that much. But, you know, he's somebody, maybe you play him, yeah. but it looks like they might want to use him as a wide receiver a little bit, too. Um, the two big trends they would break would be either Ramondre Stevenson playing there because there's not a ton of guys that play early down back and pass catching back for them. Rex Burkhead's the one guy that comes to mind, but generally it's one or the other. And if you do that, is Ramondre playing both or is he just catching passes? And then it's more on Kevin Harris's plate or the other trend they would break would be, they never put rookies in that role. James White had 14 touches his rookie year. So Pierre strong does kind of fit the profile of the player. You'd think you'd see there, but again, they, like you said, Mike, they don't necessarily put a rookie in there right away. The other guy's JJ Taylor who can move with the ball a little bit, but he hasn't shown he can be a pass blocker up to, you know, where you need to be in that role. So something's got to give at some point that to me is what the battle is. And it's a really interesting one to watch as camp goes on. Yeah. It's, you know, just go back to was it the Ivan fierce quote last year that JJ is a little light in the ass, right? Like yeah. you can't, you can't, <laughs> he's, he's five, five. He's a, you know, whatever he is, 185, 195 pounds. And yeah, he's built, he's, he's built like a brick, but you, there's only so much you can do with that frame. Right. And that's, that's, you know, sort of, I think JJ is a playmaking type could make the league, but I think his body type is really sort of, stunted any potential to, to latch on to some sort of a regular role. But in terms of split, and again, that third down role, the pass catching role, um, you know, which belongs to white or has belonged to white. And you assume is his, if he's, if he's healthy and able to play, if it's not, yeah, it could be a committee approach, could be some Ramondi, could be Ty, but 
what I don't get, and the reason why I think it's going to be more slanted towards, and the re- why I say 60, 60 plus percent of the touches from Stevenson, he's the only one who can do both. And I think the Patriots have always, you, the, the days of bell cow running backs are, are kind of gone because it doesn't benefit you. It helps to have guys who are, who can hit the line hard, you know, play after play and wear down the defense. If you're going to pound the ball and be able to bring in fresh legs. So it makes sense to switch it up, but just that versatility and the unpredictability of having a guy and not being, you know, you go back to all the, you know, to back to the, I'm from Ben Jarvis, green Ellis and on, you know, you had a guy Sony when he's out there, they're going to run. The percentages are ridiculous. When X back is on the field, they hand it off 78% of the time. Like, that doesn't benefit you in any way. Having somebody who can do both, which Stevenson is that guy, and run with power and aggression in short yardage situations or early downs, I think makes sense. It just makes the most sense. So you, I, I, that's why I think the split ultimately where I'm counting White as maybe late to the party or out this year could be Stevenson, the heavy share of being able to do both, Harris spelling him on early downs, and then mixing and matching with other people like Ty Montgomery potentially coming in there. I could see that. And again, that's just a vibe sort of thing. But I, I wonder whether the Patriots want to go back to that where they do have a versatile back who can do more than one thing. I mean, it surely would help your offense just to have that extra question mark in, a, in the defensive right. line, as opposed to what you're saying. When Sony was on the field, it was like, we're, we're giving the ball to Sony. That's just how it's going to go. The other thing I just want to mention about Stevenson is he has the potential to be the best back they've had here in a long, in a long time. time. Yeah. So the combination of the power and speed. Yes. And again, we'll see how the, the body change, you know, and losing the seven pounds or redistributing, as he said, how that works. But I said it, he reminds me a little bit of Corey Dillon, like prime Corey Dillon, because of that, the way he runs angry. But when you were, I think people might forget, Corey, young or young or prime Corey Dillon was explosive as well. There was something with his feet that was just go, I mean, plug in the 2004 game tapes. He was a beast. Uh, And I, I could see that for Ramondre, maybe never going to be the guy who gets 1700 yards like Dillon did or close to it. Cause to your point, John, they don't want to do that. Um, but he, he has some of those capabilities that make me think this guy could be a stud in the league for, for quite a few years. Uh, last news note. And again, uh, and we'll pick up some pieces before we wrap it all up, but, uh, you know, last, you know, late yesterday, you had the news about the, uh, uh, Devin Godshaw, uh, extension. And I know, you know, for some people, there was some kind of question. I'm kind of curious each of your thoughts on it. But uh, the, you know, Gotcha spoke today and he talked about it and said this is a great place. Uh, but Belichick, this is the second day he's dropped just this bouquet of flowers all over a player. Uh, this is what he had to say about Gotcha when he was uh, asked about uh, the player today, earlier today. Well, it's one of the best defensive linemen in the league. I'm glad we were able to work that out uh, with um, Devon and, and um, Drew and, um, and get it done. So obviously both sides are happy. Contract signed and. Um, go forward. Best, one of the best defensive tackles in the league. So, real simple question. Is he? <laughs> well, <laughs> how do I phrase this? Does it really matter? They think he is. And, like, this isn't some – I've heard rumblings about how they feel about him leading up to this. Uh, they love his work ethic. Uh, they love his attitude. They love his approach. His teammates like him a lot. 
some of this feels to me like he's a good player, but he's getting more than he should because he's a he's become in one year plus he's become a culture guy for them. Um, and we know how Bill values those guys. So yeah, he, he can play, but also there's all these other things that he does and represents that we want and we want to filter through the locker room. So, um, you know, I, I, I thought he was fine last year. I, he didn't really jump out. Um, and part of that is the position he plays. Yeah. It's but not I a sexy feel, position. Right. But it, I did feel like they were the, a little, yeah. they weren't as bad as, as they were against the run two years ago, but they weren't very good against the run last year. And you can throw all kinds of numbers at me, but tell me when it mattered, were they able to stop teams? And I don't think they did a very good job of that. And, you know, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. I talked to a source inside the organization. was like, that wasn't really on him. It wasn't on him. Um, and that you guys kind of don't see the value in the player. Clearly, they they think the player is, is something. I, I don't you know, I don't know when they say he's one of the best. Is that like top five? Is that top ten? Like, maybe we'll ask maybe we'll ask Bill the next time we talk to him. I'm sure he'd, be, he'd love to tell us. He loves to rate guys. Like, well, Bill, is he Aaron Donald? And, and then is he in the next group or, or what? Well, remember the the best player in the NF and uh, the NFL at any given time is the player Bill Belichick was most recently asked about. Right? He loves doing that. Um, I kind of read this as you know, did he say defensive tackle or defensive lineman? And it, it's kind of a, a nuanced thing. But when I watched Godshaw last year, he he played nose tackle in Miami. He was brought in here to play nose tackle, but I thought he played some of his best football. You know, in the three technique or the five technique. Uh, Matt Dolph, who I work with at 985thesportsub.com, invoked Ty Warren's name kind of as a, as a comparison there. So I kind of look at this and I wonder if they maybe plan on putting more on his plate moving forward. And if it's not going to be just that, you know, two down, run stopping, nose tackle role. And if they're going to try to make him more of a three down player, he was asked after practice, after Bill made those comments, he said, Do you think you're one of the best defensive linemen in the league? And he said yes, and he should say yes. Every player in the NFL should think they're one of the best. You need that confidence to play at that high of a level. But he was asked why he thinks he's one of the best. And his answer really stood out to me. He said basically because he plays the run and the pass. And he plays the pass not necessarily as a pass rusher, as a guy that's going to, you know, pile up the sacks, but is going to allow other players to do so. He mentioned that he thinks he can free things up for guys like Matthew Judon and Christian Barmore. Yeah. So that's what I that's what I think, you know, with this contract and some of the things that were said, I think they view him as a guy that can really open things up for everybody else, can be used in multiple ways, in multiple situations on the defensive line. They didn't necessarily do that a lot last year. So that's maybe where right. the outside perception comes from. They did it more late in the season, and I thought he played some of his best football late in the season. So I wonder if this is a sign that there's going to be a new, more expansive role for him moving forwards. Yeah, man, maybe. I mean, you know, versatility is good, but I mean, you know, Mike Giardi plays squash and ping pong. He's not particularly good at either. Um, you know, so <laughs> that's a, you know, is he good? Is he dominant? Is he a playmaker again? You know, and I and I don't want to, you don't want to put stock in, you know, surveys, lists, and X, Y, and Z. But whatever it was a few weeks ago that got a little bit of buzz, ranking top ten players at each position. Not only the players not have a single player. You know, Patriots ranked among them, you know, uh, in, a, in a survey of other league personnel and, and whatnot. They they only had got one guy who got a vote. So, again, you're talking about it, is there enough playmaking on this team? There's a lot of guys who can do some things and play a couple, you know, be versatile and go in there and kind of help you out and be able to plug holes. But you're looking for playmakers. And when you're going to dedicate money to people and, and extend them, you know – 
there's nothing wrong with Devin Godshaw, but if you cut him, you save $5 million. But restructuring this deal, I think they saved a million. You know, is he that vital? Is he that important? You're talking about a team who's really looking for some players at a lot of different places that they don't ha- that they're lacking depth right now and to be throwing it money at what seems a bit of a luxury item I, again we don't see what bill sees you have to trust and I, believe I, in what he thinks isn't he now one of their top five paid players I think. yes he yeah, had a 10 million dollar yeah. cap hit entering the season um so he already was so again you know they extended him they had they don't have to worry about this position they didn't draft at this position so i understand maybe having a little bit of stability let's say you do draft a guy next year you might have to wait a year before they can uh, play anyway so now you don't have to think about that as much you do have a little bit of you know uh you know insurance there but again you're just you know the money is finite in this league i know you can manipulate it and move it around if you need to uh but you know you got to spend you got to you got to spend it places you guys are going to make real impact. I'm not sure if Godshaw is that guy. Yeah, I think that's fair to question. I think the one thing and just, you know, hearing Alex talk and you talk there is I almost feel compelled now to go back and watch some of Barmore's success last year, rushing the passer and was Godshaw on the field next to him. Like was, was there an influence there? I'm just kind of curious. Uh, I, I know we heard from Christian today praising, you know, Devon high and low, um, but I'm just kind of like, as I'm thinking about it, like, is he making an impact there to his point? Like where I'm freeing other guys up, did he help free up Barmore to have, you know, one of the best seasons uh, an interior defensive lineman has had in a long time. If you go by some of the stat geeks and all the stuff that gets out there in terms of pressures and things, uh, you know, he was, I think only, what was it? Second to Aaron Donald. My, it, was, it was something like that. And like in his rookie season. So um, yeah, kind of curious now. Yeah. Um, Final thoughts here before we wrap it. Um, and again, we have two days of kind of pretty mellow stuff. So not a ton to see. And really, um, you know, as we've discussed here, you're not really going to see uh, real competitive stuff until Monday uh, when they put on the pad. So a lot of teaching days uh, ahead here. So it really is hard to kind of make any real determinations outside of who's playing where, what type of groupings you're seeing and things like that. And we've kind of definitely seen a few things tape shape. Uh, final thoughts, guys, before we wrap. I think one thing that jumped out to me today and uh, you know, you're just, there's a lot of things to watch. You're not specifically focused on two guys for the, the entirety of practice. Uh, but at one point I looked up and the scout team had Cam McGrone and Ronnie Perkins on it. Yep. And, you know, we heard a lot about both of those guys in the off season. Uh, and again, I, I can, you know, couch this and say like the front seven guys, it's really hard to make an impact in, in, in this environment right now, we'll see them put the pads on Monday and, and then you might have a better feel for it, but that just, you know, made me raise my eyebrow a little bit because we've, we've definitely heard a lot. And when you start to look at the, the pieces that they have at some of these spots, I would think at least one of those guys of those two would need to be a player for them and make some kind of impact this season. So I just kind of caught my eye early. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go with more of a deep cut. Uh, you know, I've been getting a lot of questions about, the, the six wide receiver, Trey Nixon, little Jordan Humphrey, uh, Christian Wilkerson. And that really is the battle for that last spot. And when I look at that, I, I think there it's not necessarily going to be who's the best player. They all give you something a little different. And what do the Patriots want with that roster spot? The biggest uphill battle for Nixon and Humphrey both to me was neither of those guys play special teams. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey's logged 52 special team snaps in three seasons. Trey Nixon didn't play last year. He didn't play a ton of special teams in college at UCF. So Meanwhile, Christian Wilkerson, the third guy in that conversation, 
it looks like a great special teamer. That might be the best part of his game. So I think those other two guys are going to have to contribute in the kicking game if they want to make the team. We saw the first 11-on-11 11 11, you know, kicking game work today on kickoff and kick coverage, and Nixon and Humphrey were both out there. So I, you know, I think you see that that stands out in terms of if you are following one of those guys, we got some questions about Trey Nixon, little Jordan Humphrey in the chat today. If you're following those guys, that's a big step. They've got to succeed in the kicking game if they want a chance to make the team. And it looks like they're at least getting out there and trying it. Yeah, fair enough. I think, you know, what, what's enticing about that particular battle is everyone loves speed and, you know, right. you know, Nixon, you know, Nixon can run and that's something that they're, you know, they've, they've been dying for. And now you have Thornton, you have Aguilar, who's you didn't really unleash last year. The idea of having some guys who can get downfield is definitely enticing. So you definitely feel like the, the favorite among fans is they, they want to see Nixon emerge from, from this group and see if right. he can become something here. But uh, again, early to see, and you're not seeing much from those guys, uh, you know, as far as uh, the first couple of days goes, but lots of time to go. Mike Giardi's not going anywhere. He'll be at Patriots camp all day. You can catch all of his stuff on NFL network, uh, literally 24 hours a day. Um, you know, you, if you look up, Mike Giardi will be there uh, and you'll see his smiling face. So again, make sure you follow all of Mike Giardi. smiling at that point, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your first more, hit? 3.45 a.m. I've been here since one. There's not even there's not a Dunkin' Donuts open anywhere. Um, that's Mike's life. That's the life. This is the life we've chosen, right? Yes. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be better. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. So again, thanks, Mike, for coming on. No uh, you see him popping on a few CLNS podcasts from time to time. I know he was on with Andrew Callahan uh, earlier this week as well. So, uh, Mike, a friend of the network, thanks for joining us. Alex Barth, of course, his stuff, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, you know, he's writing on Patriots Camp all day. Alex, what did you write about today? Uh, I've got the notebook up, and I did a uh, podcast recapping training camp. I did day one recap with Bob Sosi, day two recap with Matt Dolliff. So those are both up on 98.5thesportsup.com right now. All right, please check that out again. New cast of characters coming in as this podcast rolls on. We'll have another episode tomorrow. Alex will be back with another mystery surprise guest. We'll let you know who that is uh, tomorrow. Make sure you tune in. Maybe around the same time as follow us, Patriots CLNS on Twitter for notifications, or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel here, Patriots Press Pass. Hit that little bell, turn on your notifications. You will be notified when you go live. I saw some of you guys got in here late. Shame on you for that, but you can always watch the repeat as well. Um, so, again, thanks, guys, for hanging out. Uh, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Alex. We'll see you guys.